Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, March 5th, 2022. The idea of church sounds so good. People from all different backgrounds and, you know, different ways of life before now coming and leaving all that behind and uniting around following Jesus Christ and a community of unity and joy. Doesn't that sound so good? Well, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've discovered that what sounds so good can often be hard in practice. And why is that? Well, the simplest reason is simply this. Any church you will find is still full of sinners. There's still sinners in every church because we're all still sinners. None of us are perfect yet. So this community that sounds so good, and let me be clear, can be so good. The church of Jesus Christ is the greatest place in the world. And we should enjoy the fellowship and the unity and the community that come from it. However, there is the difficulty of, okay, as we seek that, how do we deal with sin? And that is what we're going to see today, especially in our New Testament reading from Matthew 18, 15 through 35. And here we are going to see Jesus teach on a couple different, but I think we should see connected topics. At first, he gives us some direct instruction on well, what do you do if a brother sins against you? What does that process look like? And in some situations, this could even end with somebody being kicked out of the church, a process that we would refer to as church discipline. But then we also see a powerful parable on the importance of forgiveness. So let's look at each of these. First, it speaks of if your brother sins against you. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector." Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you, if two or if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So there it walks through this process of what do you do if your brother sins against you? And the few steps are, well, you go and you uh, confront them alone first, just between you and them. If there is no repentance, uh, then you take one or two others along with you and, you know, confront again and bringing kind of the evidence and and getting some third parties involved, uh, even to be neutral observers. And then it goes to the process of telling the church, and if there is still no repentance, Uh, That person is to be cast out of the church. It says to let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So let's just think about that and even think about some other things from Scripture that should help us think through this. One, let's just start, though, with uh, just acknowledging the, uh, the 
importance of dealing with sin. We cannot ignore sin among the church. And God has even made it clear in some situations that is going to lead you to ask people to leave the church when they are living in unrepentant sin. And unfortunately, there's just some churches say that would never consider doing this. Uh, and that is a clear uh, you know, deviation from what Jesus is teaching. Jesus cares about the purity of the church, uh, but uh, when there is unrepentant sin, it needs to be dealt with. And so that should be just a thing to start with, but also we're going to see some important things about how this should be applied. I mean, even if you look at this, um, for one thing, the sin needs to be clear. For To go through these steps, it needs to be pretty clear sin. Just consider the times that we see in Scripture, uh, just ideas of love overlooking a transgression, um, even just what we see a lot in Ephesians, Colossians, is it teaches us how to live as Christians. There's a lot of patience and bearing with one another. Um, so we need to apply all of those things to these verses. This is not any time you ever feel slighted by anybody that you're going to confront them and say, hey, if you don't confess, we're kicking you out of the church. No, that would be extreme. And that's where you would see a church devour itself because, again, we all have sin. And that's where sometimes in love we choose to overlook a transgression. How can you determine what? Well, I think when we consider how this is applied even throughout Scripture, it, some smaller things are just interpersonal things. Maybe somebody says something that was rude to you, um, or you know, somebody says they'll do something but forgets about it. it you know, these aren't the things that it's like, man, I'm going through the church discipline process. Uh, no, that that's that's not what this is here for. But think of you know, clear sin, clear mistreatment, clear um, you know, things like sexual sin is something that we see brought up even in 1 Corinthians, where he instructs that church to walk through this process and to cast somebody out from the church because they were in obvious and clear sexual sin. You think of, you know, financial sin of of somebody stealing or or doing something like that, very clear cut. And it's also, I think, pretty apparent from this passage that the sins that would walk through this process are clear cut and unrepentant. Because even it's clear because you're bringing in neutral parties to, to, to have this discussion and it's clear, no, you are in sin to one of the parties. And, and then it, it's clear this person is not repenting. This person's not saying, you know, you're right, I'm, I'm sorry. No, this person is continuing in their sin. It's what we see uh, throughout scripture, the idea of a high-handed sin. Uh, so hopefully that helps you understand a little bit of what's going on here. Not every little thing that is done is meant to walk through all the steps of this process, but at the same time, we should not ignore this process because this is what Jesus is calling us to do as a church. But then we get to the second point, and you can see maybe how it's connected as Peter asks, well, how often should I you know, forgive my brother if they sin against me? Seven times? And Jesus says, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times, or sometimes you've heard 70 times seven, and I don't think it's, well, is it 77 or is it, or is it 490? Uh, No, the point is you should always forgive. Uh, And that needs to be something that we 
consider just as we confront sin, we need to be quick to forgive. And even what we see from 2 Corinthians, even when someone has gone all the way through the church discipline process, if they repent, guess what should be granted to them? Forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. That is the goal. The goal is forgiveness. And even sometimes that that does have to be unilateral in a Christian community where someone maybe doesn't realize um, how some of the things that they're saying might affect you, right? We all have blind spots. And so I think it's even in situations like that that we are eager to grant forgiveness. And, and notice then this uh, famous parable that is told of the man who is forgiven, just an incredible amount, right? Think of just millions and millions of dollars, and he is, you know, forgiven. Uh, and then he goes and finds somebody that owes him thousands of dollars. No, that's not nothing. But then he he demands it back. And, and when the master hears of this, he is very displeased that this one who had been forgiven so much refused to forgive uh, his fellow servant. And in the end, he is handed over to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. And so that is another thing we need to keep in mind with all of this is I have been forgiven much. I have been forgiven a debt that I could never even begin or dream about repaying. But God has forgiven me, not just a little, but a lot, and he has paid it in full. I'm not on some payment plan. He didn't defer my debt or kick it down the road. He paid my debt, and that has to influence how I think about other people, and it should make me quick and eager to forgive or in the situations where I can to overlook an offense. And we have to realize when you refuse to give somebody else, you're the one that ends up in jail. You're the one that ends up being tortured by that bitterness and that lack of forgiveness, not the other person. So how do we deal with sin? Well, uh, that's something I think the Bible speaks more to. But here we see some of the steps that when sin is clear uh, that we need to go through as a church. But we're also reminded in an imperfect world and in a community full of people who are still sinners, forgiveness will be an essential agree- ingredient of that community. Now let's move back to the Old Testament and Numbers 5 through 7, or maybe as we're saying this year, Warriors 5 through 7. And we see a little bit here of how to deal with sin in the community of God's people. Um, and, and even in chapter 5, it gives this long and very interesting passage on a test for adultery. Uh, what does a husband do when he is suspicious that his wife has been unfaithful, but there is no evidence of it? And it gives this process that that it goes through. And some even ask, you know, like, how did this work? You know, you take dust from the floor of the tabernacle and put it in water. And if she drinks it and something happens to her body and then there's discussions of, well, was it just because the stress would do that to her or was it like God actually working through it? And I don't think the answer to that question is the most important. I think what we see is however it worked, it worked. And and this test would show uh, where someone, you know, what somebody was really doing. And that provided for, uh, you know, this sin to be dealt with. Also, I guess it could protect the, the woman who, instead of just having a perpetually suspicious husband, there was a way for her to be cleared, for her to be exonerated from these 
charges, and you see that there in chapter 5. Chapter 6 speaks of the Nazarite vow. You think of Samson and how he was not supposed to cut his hair, and that was a lifelong thing. Here, uh, you see the vow wasn't always intended to be lifelong, but there were ways that people could make this vow, it seems, to to dedicate a a certain time or portion of their life to the Lord and serving Him, and, and some of these that things would go along with that, and you see the instructions for that. You see the famous ironic blessing there in chapter 6. And then in chapter 7, you see these offerings that are given uh, for the temple. Um, and you see, you know, it goes through each tribe. So if you want to memorize a passage, a chapter of Scripture that's 89 verses, it'd probably be easy to do with this chapter because so much of it is repeated over and over again. But you see at the end of it, Moses goes into the tent of meeting and he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim and it spoke to him. And one thing I think that is fair for us to think is just, Think about the New Testament imagery of the veil being torn. Think about um, just what we see with, you know, he has entered into the most holy place once and for all and just the access that we now have to God. And I don't think it's, you know, through physically hearing his voice in some special place, but just that we can have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. We should be amazed at that privilege that we have based on the sacrifice once for all of Jesus Christ. So, Uh, That's our reading for today. Hopefully that helps us. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today uh, on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to Compass Bible TV. And today, let me leave you with those words from the ironic blessing there in Numbers 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you give you peace.